This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. Ooh, another edition of the Final Inspection Show. Looking forward to a full show today. And joining me in studio, it is Mayor Mitch. How are you doing today, Mitch? Good, Steve. Happy to be here today. It's been a while. Never enough time between shows. No. And uh, no, no, no fault of like uh, uh, Mike McGivern, but it's like you're you're still setting up. It's like it's time to go. Well, wait, hang on. I gotta do yeah, one more tweet. I, I gotta do one more post. I gotta double check something and. Well, you can always schedule those. You yeah, know, I know. Technology. That. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, tweet sent. There you go. How's that? Ready to go. So we got a full show today. We're going to be, of course, talking uh, NASCAR. They're out in Phoenix. We'll be talking to Dennis Mickelson uh, this hour. And then uh, IndyCar. It, it is the opener at St. Pete. We'll be talking with uh, David Land uh, of YouTube. Uh, talking all things IndyCar, kind of getting getting you an uh, IndyCar primer. He did an IndyCar primer on his YouTube channel. It's pretty cool. It kind of gets you caught up to date with what's going on. So looking forward to talking to David. And then, you know, as uh, being a, uh, having uh, David Hobbs on the show and doing some things with David and, and all things Hobbs, uh, of course, David Hobbs, Honda, of course, uh, supporting the show, uh, we get a lot of feedback on the Formula One NBC Sports Network, uh, which covered Formula One, and uh, always hearing people how they love the show. Well, having one of his uh, cohorts on the show later in the second hour, that's going to be Will Buxton will be joining us. Looking forward to, to uh, chatting with Will, uh, who is the, the the pit reporter in Formula One. And he's uh, come out with a new book, so we'll be uh, expanding more uh, on that in the next hour. And then also, of course, Eddie Lapine, from um, RacingNation.com. He'll be joining us from uh, Amelia Island, Florida. If you're wondering where that is, it's just north of Jacksonville, and it's probably the best concourse on the East Coast. Uh, it's a pretty neat deal. I've been down there a few times, and uh, we'll be chatting with Eddie on that. But uh, Mayor Mitch, I wanted to chat with Uh-oh. you. So we got... Um, He's pulling out his papers. I got. I got. I actually got notes today. Lots of lots and lots of notes. You know, when, when Sparky hosted the show, I used to bring in just a stack of papers. And Sparky, I, I think he appreciated that, you know, somebody would prep for the show. Yeah. And then we wouldn't talk about anything that I printed <laughs> exactly. out. No matter what I would print Sparky up, does like to get a little bit sidetracked sometimes. Yeah, it was it was. I don't be, know if you've noticed uh, or not. Let's talk about this. And exactly, we'd get sidetracked and then talk about something completely else. And then, uh, like, uh, Mike 
just did uh, a couple minutes ago. All the show notes go into the trash. But um, Tony Dungy has been named Grand Marshal of the uh, IndyCar season opener, uh, Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. And I kind of we we did this when I worked at the Milwaukee Mile. It was a, a neat way of just just bringing in some people and uh, uh, you know kind of trying to expand the fan base. Uh, like at Milwaukee, we had a Brett Favre one year, so I got to meet Brett Favre. Wow! I, well, the the money game was always, of course, this is late '90s into the 2000s, so it was Packers. If we could get a Packer, we get a Packer. Of course, Gilbert Brown was working with us at the time, so he was our conduit for getting all these Packers. Any uh, any Leroy Butler signing or sightings? Um, I believe we had Leroy. Yeah, I, I believe we had him one year, and then we had uh, Charles Woodson. And the oh, wow. Char- Charles Woodson was really, really cool. It was really impressive with him. But the other thing is, is he's taller than me. Now I'm six two. Charles so Woodson. Charles Woodson. Really? I'm like you know, because you think safety, you know, cornerback safety. You think, but yeah, he was six. Probably easy, one of the greatest college football players. Oh, and, sure. and he turned into be a great NFL guy when, especially after he came to the Packers. And you know, he was. Of course, it's easy. You know, you know when you're, you're little. You look up to athletes and right. you think they're that he's one of those guys for me where, yeah. you know, he was in college. So, I mean, he was one of the best athletes and I guess I wouldn't think of him as being a very big guy. I, I didn't think so either, but I was really of all the guys. He was uh, the other person that really just blew me away. Seeing him in person was Walter Payton because Walter Payton wasn't that, that tall, but he was wide. Yeah. And I'm not meeting like Gilbert Brown wide. I'm talking like shoulders. Like running he back. Was, he was built like a triangle. Yeah. I mean, the guy had shoulders that were just huge. I mean, is he had this huge upper body that just went to his little probably 28 inch you know waist. And and this was probably a good seven eight years after his playing career, and still looked like like he could play. I, I like you. I would not want to want to face that guy one on one. Yeah, you know, he'd just run right over you. So I, I remember seeing uh, Donald Driver. I, I think one time we had some family in town and we went to go see Packers practice uh, one one summer out in Green Bay, and uh, you know we were behind the chain link fence, and I and Donald Driver was probably you know middle of his career at the time. I forget it was probably two thousand six somewhere in there. Um, and I remember like thinking I was probably five feet away from him. he was right there catching balls off the jugs machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was probably five feet in front of me. And I was like, that dude's waist is so small. Right. Like you could probably reach your, your hands almost <laughs> around his way. But I mean, that's probably why he was so fast. Cause right. he was, you know, he was obviously a compact, just aerodynamic. Yeah. Well, Tony Dungy is going to be the grand marshal of the, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete tomorrow. And I'm just wondering. So, what from is a, a grand marshal? Uh, he's just somebody you will probably most likely he'll wave the green flag. He'll yeah. do mostly a lot of pre-race stuff. You get them in. Um, you get them in prior to the race, and you do some PR stuff. Maybe depending on how involved he wants to be, maybe do some media spots, call in. You know, hey, well, depending on how big the paycheck is, maybe. yeah, you know, just well, however, and whatever the contract says, and, and and a lot of times it's tied in with the sponsor too. Sure. You know, there's times where, like, if Firestone is is running a race, uh, uh, Mario Andretti has a personal services contract. So most likely, if you have Firestone as some type of sponsor or Bridgestone, they're you know, it's it's especially if it's a motorsports event somehow, it's a good chance Mario Andretti will be there in some capacity because he's got a 
you know, like a personal contract with Firestone to do appearances and whatnot. So um, I'm just wondering from your point of view, uh, from a sports sports point of view, whether it's, uh, you know, auto racing, grand marshals, uh, uh, halftime shows, you know, mm-hmm. especially like the Bucks. Now, obviously with the Bucks game, they do halftime shows. Yeah. It's, it's a little different than like the Super Bowl. You're just trying to fill some time during halftime. But well, I mean, then there was a pretty famous halftime show recently. Yeah, tell the, us about uh, that. The Ja Rule one. Yes. At the 90s night, I think it was, what, two weeks ago tonight? Right. And that's that, that's a, kind of a sad situation where somebody is kind of in denial yet? Yeah, and, and I think with Ja Rule, I guess my take on it, especially that night, was this is coming, you know, within a month after the, I'm sure you've heard about the Fire Festival documentaries yes. that are out there. Yes. There's a one on Netflix, one on Hulu that I think everybody had seen. So everybody had seen kind of what Ja Rule is like, I guess, behind closed doors where he's just kind of he's not the greatest dude i mean he was uh and 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 so i think that was fresh in everyone's mind Mm -hmm. especially which is kind of why i think people especially in wisconsin you know didn't really have i I don't want to say don't have respect for him but didn't really care you know yeah which is why nobody cheered and nobody booed well then when you come out and say well hey i'm I'm yeah, more of a 2000 guy say, in the 90s. Yeah, you're and, and you make denial. kind of a smug comment like that right, it, right uh, when you start. Um, and, you know, you kind of give the vibe that you don't really want to be there. Yeah. So that's probably part of it, too. So, yeah, that's that's a bad example of, of recent, you know, halftime shows. Yeah, because I think it's a way for you to increase your brand if you do it right. Now, Tony Dungy is a, is, is a guy who's got a lot of respect from people. He does a lot of community uh, work, especially sure. in Tampa Bay. Uh, when he coached there and also Indianapolis. I mean, he's been on Face in the Zone, I think, a couple of times. Right, that, right. With, so, with, with uh, it, Coach McGivern. It's, it's, it's interesting. But, I mean, from a point of view, because you, you admit you're not, you're not a big racing fan, would he, is there a, a grand marshal or somebody that would get you to a race? Oh, I mean, Giannis Dedekumbo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe. So, yeah. I, I bet you he would do it, too. Yeah. I mean, maybe not while he's playing. Because that's a big – because that's a huge, huge. I mean, I remember when we had Favre at the mile. I mean, he was at yeah, his that's, peak. Yeah, that's it was. That would probably do it. It was quite the dog and pony show, and I mean, we had to get extra security and everything, really, just to kind of create a ring around him because it was just like poof, people would just, you know, it, it's it's almost scary when you're in that situation when when you're with somebody and you see people coming from all sides at you. It's 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 very uneasy, mm. and you're trying to hustle people out of kind situations. of puts things in perspective for it those really, guys. You know, for people who who haven't been on that other side, yeah, you know, they're not seeing me. I'm trying to move somebody, mm. but I mean, from to see that, I can see, I can understand why stars in the past or sports athletes or or you know any type of people like that kind of you know they yeah it's it's an uncom very very uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, that's. You know, people talk a lot about celebrities and their interactions with them and stuff. And it's like sometimes you got to put yourself maybe in their shoes. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, they got people all day long that are bothering them. So just because you're one interaction with them doesn't mean that's how they're always like. You know, they could just be have been a bad day or something. So, yeah, that's interesting. If I'm, I'm Brett Favre at the Milwaukee Mile, I think that's right. You know, a good demographic for it as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Favre. And that uh, was a sponsor deal. He was working out. Okay. He was, uh, I think, might have been Duracell at that time. He was sponsored. He was sponsored, and it was in cooperation with Dale Jarrett. Dale Jarrett had a, had a race team 
and they had brought in Favre as a quote-unquote co-owner. Yeah. But that was when you would bring in a guy. It was a way to get sponsorship. Chip so Ganassi did it mention- with Joe Montana, and uh, Dale Coyne had done it with Walter Payton. Even though Walter Payton did have an interest in auto racing and had done some auto racing, it was a way to kind of leverage some sponsorship. So if there's two teams, if you're a business owner and you're in, you have two teams coming at you wanting to you know sponsor, but this guy has Joe Montana and you can hang out with Joe Montana. And this guy doesn't have anything. Which way you're going to go? Yeah. So that's how they were kind of leveraging. Now, do they have sponsor. to mention the sponsor so many times, or how or how does that work? Or it depends. Do they, do they do any yeah. public speaking? No, I think I think. Um, it, you can kind of it can if you do it too much it can become a negative. Uh, we see that with the uh, NASCAR a little bit with some of these guys who are in personal services contract with Coca Cola and that and some other ones where they're constantly have it in their hand and it's it's becoming a little bit you know like everywhere. I mean yeah. you want to support your sponsor, understand that, but you don't want to shove it down their throat. Mm-hmm. So that'd be. I just thought it was an interesting thing, you know, Tony Dungy being involved at, at the St. Pete Grand Prix, you know, and, and how how just kind of getting a overall sports look at it. Well, and it. it's it's in Florida, right? Yeah. And he was he's a bit, a bit of a legendary coach yeah. down there. It I mean, still is. You know, there was some controversy when he was uh, let go in Tampa Bay, um, and then they brought in John Gruden. And then he took him. He to, took him, but then Tony Dungy was able to do the same with the coach. So. Yep. So, you know, it, it worked out in the end for him. Got a lot of respect for Tony Dungy. Wishing all the best for him, and uh, hope he has fun tomorrow. Yeah. In St. Pete, where it's a lot warmer than it is right now. But yeah. it is getting better. Yeah, we're, man. 30, we're finally, 38 degrees yesterday felt like beach weather. Yeah, it's getting uh, – at least we're starting to get seasonable uh, weather here yeah. in the great north. Uh, the great north. Great upper Midwest. Yes. So uh, I tell you what, let's take a break, and we'll bring uh, Dennis Michelson in next, and we'll be talking some NASCAR. We'll talk about Las Vegas last week, uh, the, another win for Team Penske, along with uh, Phoenix this week. We'll see what's what's coming up in the world of NASCAR with Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Radio, uh, Media coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. Hey, welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Dennis, joining us, of course, on the Midwest uh, Midwest Bank Hotline. Dennis, welcome to the show. Master Z-Man, how you doing? This I'm is doing really good. Saturday. Uh, I need you. I need to take you in the not the wayback machine, but the sort of way back uh, to last Ooh. week, to the opening of the show, and uh, I thought it was a, of a kind of a cool idea. And I, I was, I what I do instead of kind of taking notes, I take screenshots of the TV, <laughs> and I and I did one of actually I did one of uh, of a tweet too. Um, in which they did the, the the show opener was they they worked in like a Celine Dion thing. Do you remember that? And then where's where's DW? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? And I thought it was really yeah. clever. The opening part was like you know it was a, a take on um uh of the the Hangover, so it was yeah. kind of like uh, the the the.
the movie, and and I thought it was like, oh, this is this is kind of cool, you know. Uh, Gordon was really good at it, you know, what he was doing, and some of the other guys. And then I thought, oh, this will be kind of cool. They'll kind of work in a thing, and and maybe like like DW won't will have them miss like the first two segments or something and work this in. Yeah, you know, I mean, really like do a work here. This is kind of compelling and interesting. And then it was like they did all this production and it was really cool they they did some they, you know they did a couple stand-ups they did some i mean they they actually took it, it probably took about two hours to put this little 30 second 45 second thing together so there was some work in and then how, how it ended was dw walking in with a celine dion t-shirt on and i thought that's it. That's how that's how you wrapped it. It was like it was one of those things where, where where you watch a movie and you can tell they had this really good idea for a movie and and the first two thirds of the movie is excellent, but they had never figured out an ending and they just kind of cobbled together some type of ending. I think that's what happened here. They had this great idea, but they had no way to kind of finish it off and they figured DW walking in with his uh, dress shirt and tie on with a Celine Dion t-shirt walking in was that's all the end of them. Like, Oh, okay. I was just wondering if you had any feedback on that. It was a lot of effort for very little humor. Um, you know, again, they, they, Jeff Gordon continues to surprise me because when they announced he was going to be an announcer, I didn't think he would be all that good at it, to be honest with you. And he's turned out to be fantastic. He has. Here, here in this piece where they're asking him to do something kind of corny, he absolutely was fabulous. And then DW, who's usually very good on the gags, was awful. So, yeah, they, they, they worked too hard for a Vegas-style opening that then failed. Well, here's the other thing. I did a search. So I wanted to kind of get some feedback on what other people – you know, I thought of it because, you know, especially something like that, you'll get a lot. Like, like you know, like I remember like the halftime show. I mean, tw- the the Twitterverse was just blowing up during the Super Bowl with the halftime show and whatnot, negative, pro, negative, all that. So I went, I went, did a search. I did a couple of searches. I'm like, okay, let's get some. Fe- I only found two tweets wow. in that opening. I was like, wow, talk about a swing and a miss. I'm like. Okay. Yeah, I was really surprised. Yeah, DW gets more um, of an outpouring of disgust every time he does his boogity, boogity, <laughs> boogity. So he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't perform well in that uh, Twitter verse uh, debate there. So um, I guess uh, the the other development we found out in NASCAR last week is. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they really are pushing we want to be like football where if you kind of lean forward and put your hand on pit road, it's a violation. Yeah, that was actually surprising to me because I've only been watching NASCAR forever, and I never realized that much like in football where one butt cheek equals two feet, I didn't realize that one finger equaled a foot. So we learned something there. And actually, the, the, the funniest thing about the whole incident was it happened twice on pit lane in one race, and the announcers 
were seemingly pretty surprised by the penalty as well. They needed the explanation, too. So, I don't know. I think NASCAR has gone a little too far with uh, some of these penalties that don't affect the speed of a pit stop. Um, I'm not really sure what that was all about. Now, we've seen guys fall off the wall before where they'll just kind of lose their balance right. and fall onto uh onto uh, pit lane, and that's, of course, a penalty, too. But in this case, fingers on the pit lane from over the wall, I'm not sure that that gives you a competitive advantage. Right. It's just, it's, it's just and that's one of the things that's, that's so frustrating because, you know, it used to be about what's going on on, on the track, and they've, they've kind of flipped it where the pit stops have become so so important the speed uh if you're if you got a park you know where you know where where you can be backwards in a pit stall that's okay but if you have a guy put one foot out while the car is two you know boxes ahead that's a penalty and all these other things you can't do this can't do this well we're we're enforcing it we got the you know the nerds in the trailer and and we got all this cameras on everything and and this and that and is 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 that making the sport better yeah there's a lot of technology that is not having a direct effect on making the sport better um you know you see all these measurements down to the you know the millimeter now on all these cars when they're going through tech does that make the racing any better you know yes it's make it's keeping a fair and even playing field but you know i don't know there if you have the technology available um you know you're going to overuse it and that's this eye in the sky uh technology for you know penalizing people on these pit stops Uh, a human being would have never made that call back in the day before they had this automated pit stop fraction caller. Um, and, and I'm kind of thinking that the human element uh, of calling balls and strikes in NASCAR actually made it better because those guys only called it a penalty on team if it was an advantage, a competitive advantage, or a safety violation, like, you know, equipment out of the box. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. And I've always had a problem with penalties in NASCAR anyway on pit lane. Because a penalty on a on a green flag pit stop is much more egregious than mm-hmm. a penalty on a yellow flag pit stop. Um, you know, on a yellow flag, if you're just coming back in for a for a drive through penalty after you get the penalty, you're just at the end of the longest line to start the the new restart. You're not a lap, or in some cases, two laps down. So it's just kind of weird how the penalties aren't even. And I don't think the penalties are really going to make a better show anyway. Well, and don't look now, but Team Penske is on a roll. They've won was it, eight of the last 15 cup races. Yeah, and it's no surprise. Um, they've got the best team, and of course, it's starting on the pole uh, for this Sunday's race as well. So uh, I have a feeling that we're going to see this throughout the season. And, you know, here's the other thing, too, is now – this week is different because, of course, being a smaller track, they don't have the tapered spacer on, so you're going to let these uh, engines actually produce real horsepower. 
unlike last week where uh, we were on a restricted engine diet with the tapered spacer. But the Ford engine uh, program in NASCAR, uh, the Roush Yates engine program, has always been good at building great restricted airflow engines. They were always good on the restrictor plate tracks. They're proven to be equally good with this tapered spacer as well. But right now, Penske is the, the king of the Fords as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Stuart Haas racing those start picking up their game. Harvick loves, absolutely loves Phoenix. He has been so dynamic here. In fact, only one time since 2013, he's finished outside the top 10. So this is a great track for old happy Harvick. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, he is just, he's basically unbeatable. Um, it, it's just impressive. And it, you know, in a way, it's his home track, even though he's from Bakersfield. But he did a lot of running in the old uh, the Copper Classic, you know, when they ran the late models uh, down there in the old Southwest Series and that. And he drove a lot at Phoenix. And he, he it, it, it's just a track that fits his style driving. And, you know, as, as they say, he's a driver's driver. But, um, yeah, it, it could be a, definitely a Ford show. And, you know, I well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break here because they did an interview with Roger Penske. And it was, you know, we, 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 we've seen interviews where it's like blah, 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 blah. This is, this is an interview they did with Roger Penske yesterday that is, uh, that it, it uncovered a few tidbits of information that are pretty, pretty inter- interesting. So I want to talk about that. And then the resurgence of Joey Logano has the light finally gone off with Joey Logano. So let's take a quick break here and uh, we'll, we'll continue with Dennis and in, in the next uh, segment here on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you go to greatlakesdragway.com and get your 2019 season pass. And of course, David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Road. Make sure to Take a look at their great selection of new and used cars. Final inspection. Final inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. I'm Steve Zotke, and on the keyboard, it is the mayor, Mitch Ross. Thank you once again, Mitch, for joining us. On the us. keyboard, all right. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> as uh, Jeff Orlowski is away on assignment, as they say, he's actually out in Phoenix doing spring training. He'll be working with the big show. on the show. keyboard like, like Elton John. Yeah, there you go. Um, working and, miracles over here. And Dennis Michelson. What's the latest at DMAC Media, sir? Oh, we had uh, some pretty cool interviews that uh, we've got coming up. Um, of course, we just got done with Oliver Askew, an Indy Lights driver, uh, starting his rookie year. So he's down in St. Pete. And uh, remember Ratfink? Remember yes. Remember the, uh, the rat, little Ratfink cartoon yep. characters? So we're going to be talking to Eileen Roth, um, who uh, runs Ratfink.com for her uh, dad, Eddie Roth, who, of course, is no longer with us. And we'll also have a feature with Wes Zirkel coming up um, for the Race Attorneys Conference that'll be uh, taking place 
in Indiana. So lots of uh, crazy stuff coming up. And, of course, we uh, kick off our Wildfire Fever podcast uh, for our ultimate Frisbee fans out there as well. Fantastic. Oh, and uh, yesterday, I haven't mentioned it, but yet Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell had a little altercation on Pitt Road about qualifying. It was totally silly because you're a lot. What was the the 10 minute? Was the session 10 minutes, I think? Qualifying session that they were in? Yeah. I think 10 yeah, or 12. Round two. It was a round, second round of qualifying. Yeah. And then, and then, but everybody waits for the last two minutes. So everybody's on a track and everybody's getting in everybody's way. And apparently McDowell was getting in Suarez's way. They didn't like it. And they, he, they had a little incident on pit road. You go to YouTube, but it, it, it's, that's it. That's all it was. And move on. <laughs> I mean, it's, for it, a, it was, a, it was entertaining, a, but. For a NASCAR fight, it was actually pretty good. Well, Blickensdorfer kind of put the kibosh on it by getting involved. And, uh, you know, I would have, I, I think, Suarez, I don't know. Uh, McDowell had to reach, but. You know, Suarez was, uh, you know, it looks like he was going, you know, he, he uh, be interesting. I don't know. Of course, McDowell still had his maybe, helmet on, too. Yeah, maybe we need a third man rule like in hockey. Maybe Blake and Blinkensdarfer uh, needs to sit out for, uh, <laughs> for a, a, a race because of uh, being the third man in on a fight. And, you know, not because we, we thought anybody was going to get hurt, but he ruined our entertainment. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, um, uh, also, uh, inspection, we're going to be talking about Roger Penske in just a moment, but before we get into that, uh, Penske, Team Penske, uh, the two had an issue in 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 uh, inspection. So what does NASCAR do now when you have a problem with your the, the second time in? They they send a crew, oh they, they, they send a crew member oh of their choice yes. home. <laughs> yes, yes. I think this is the most bizarre thing. It's like you know, why don't you just put out a big wheel on, right, on yeah. uh, the front stretch and let let the team spin? And you know, if you're if you're missing your gas man, then somebody else is going to have to do the job. You know, it it that is weird that they let the team decide which crew guy has to go home. No, no, no. NASCAR uh, did. NASCAR gets oh, to NASCAR pick. Decides. Yeah, and oh, I, I don't know the how they how the arbitrary. You know, how do they are arbitrary to take uh you no no wait no no you um <laughs> yeah i thought the team got the pick that was the way i well that's why i heard it, it on tv like but i TV. could be wrong but okay. because oh, it, it now it's it's confusing either way but it well, is a weird it is a weird way to do things let's let's put it this way if it if seriously if it was the team you know it'd be the same guy every it, you know it'd be the cook or something right it'd be the <laughs> <laughs> or the you know, the PR or rep, the, right? <laughs> yeah, or the, the or the, the extra guy up on the box whose only job is to to count to five or something. Yeah, right. And yeah, it's this is pretty weird. Yeah, it, it, NASCAR's got some weird rules. It's like they talk about how you know all of these these uh, teams are finding ways to skirt our rules, and the penalties haven't seemed to deter them well. Just because you got dumb penalties, if you made that team start a lap down, you know, penalize them a full lap, make them get their lap back out on the track uh, with strategy, not a you know 
not a free pass or anything like that, but with strategy, um, maybe then the penalty would be worth something. But sending one team member home just to me seems like a little weird because they certainly have somebody else that can jump in and do that job. They certainly can. Um, this is what was reported by Dustin Lawn on NBCSports.com. Um, car owner Roger Penske confirmed to reporters Friday that he had a kidney transplant at the Mayo Clinic shortly after the 2017 IndyCar season finale. Uh, Penske had kept the procedure private until revealing it during a group interview in St. Pete. Um, Penske, who is 82 years old and could run circles around Dennis and I and Matt and Mitch, uh, received the kidney from his son, Greg. Uh, Penske revealed his procedure as Tim Sindrick, president of Team Penske, discussed his hip replacement with reporters. Their surgery was also done at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The AP re, uh, reported that Penske's transplant came days after uh, Newgarden, Joseph Newgarden's IndyCar title, for, or, or the day after uh, Penske's IndyCar title for uh, for Team Penske in 2017. Blah 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 blah. Um, I just thought that was that was interesting for a guy who is is known to only get five hours of sleep a night, and that for him to get a kidney transplant and basically not lose a a, a step, you know. It, it, it's amazing, isn't he, what he's able to do? And... Yeah, he's he's about the uh, most youthful 80-some-year-old guy that's out there. Um, he's he's in fantastic – I'm kind of shocked to hear he's that old. I didn't think he was that old. He doesn't look but that. He's been, around, he's been around forever, and he never has changed. He looks the same now as he did 20 years ago. So, um, But that's kind of weird that it would wait until now to have that news come out. Well, you know, I mean, uh, how do you, I mean, do you have a, you know, you don't want to go out if I, I understand that if I'm Penske, I don't want to have a, a press release saying, oh, by the way, I had a kidney transplant, uh, two months ago, because that's all they're going to talk about all the time. And Penske doesn't want to talk about himself. He wants to talk about the team the series, that kind of stuff. He wants the attention away from him and he wants to shine it on his drivers and whatnot. So I, that I can totally understand, but I thought it was just very, uh, you know, uh, it's, it, you know, when you think of it, you kind of sit back and go, yeah, I can picture Roger Penske. If you've ever been in any type of social situations or, or, you know, any media things with him, you know, it's like, Oh, by the way, uh, you know, back, uh, 2017 when I had a kidney transplant, I was like, whoa, 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 what? You know, it's like, wow. Um, also, he also mentioned about the changes that are coming to NASCAR, and, and those are, are coming. He's talking about uh, Roger Penske. Once again, this is by Nate Ryan from NBCSports.com. Uh, uh, Roger Penske is adamant that NASCAR needs to have a Gen 7 car on the track by the 2021 season and has a few schedule ideas, too. Uh, once again, speaking with a small group of reporters uh, in St. Pete, uh, says that he fully supports uh, implementing the next generation model in NASCAR's premier series within two years because of cost efficiency. It has to happen. We have to make a change, Penske said, because the revenue side is not growing the way you want to, and co costs are continuing to go up. With uh, Cup teams spending $10,000 on building parts that can be made for 1500 Penske said, it doesn't make any sense. That's why he's in favor of NASCAR making changes that doesn't hurt the show. New engine rules in the past few years have cut costs by reducing inventory. 
The customer in the stands doesn't know we have a super super drive drive shaft or four types to brakes or four types of brakes to run. Penske said, "Think about it. You got four cars and four to five combinations of brakes. Then you then you need four sets of them. Those are the things that cost money." Penske says it isn't too late to hit the 2021 target date. Look, we're changing all this. We're changing stuff all the time and building cards already. And he has urged uh, NASCAR CEO Jim France to pull the trigger on approving the Gen 7 design. We need to go, Penske said. I said to Jim, let's make the decision and go. Like it or don't like it, we'll have to race. We'll have to race it during the season. It'll be we'll be working on it, and we'll come out in 21. We'll have it sooner. We get it out all the noise and get through all the noise that people like or don't. So I thought it was kind of interesting. You know, if I'm Jim France, you know, Petsky is a pretty smart guy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I think this is the direction they need to go because not only that, the, the revenues aren't rising. In fact, in a lot of, for a lot of teams are falling, aren't they? Yeah, they're, they're very much are. Um, one of the biggest factors is the title sponsorship. The last year of Sprint as a title sponsorship, that was a $75 million package. It dropped down considerably. And now with Monster leaving, there's some talk that that might, you know, their new system of having multiple uh, title sponsors at Cup might only bring in about $15 million. Um, so what you're looking at is all across the board. I mean, look at how many racetracks we're seeing the naming rights to a race being announced within a couple of weeks of the event. Um, you know, we just had an interview uh, with Mike Barth from Fast Forward Marketing on that does a lot of the trophies. He said they used to have, you know, three, four, eight months to, to decide on on the theme for trophies. As now we're having to, to put something together on some occasions within two weeks of, of the race. And this week's a race for the Xfinity series is a classic example. IK nine, which is a sponsor on the, uh, on a, uh, Joe Gibbs car, mm-hmm. number 18 car. That's the sponsor that Jeffrey Earnhardt brought to NASCAR. They are stepping up and sponsoring this week's race because it was one of the DC solar sponsored races. Ah. DC solar, the, the big, big sham, company uh that went out of business here and and people are going to jail over it um that uh sponsorship needed to be replaced uh, at a number of races or about five or six races that they were planning on sponsoring this year so you know we're looking at shrinking revenues the interesting thing is it sounds like nascar on the scheduling side of things is going to be dropping their sanctioning fee minimums for Xfinity and trucks, they need to, to bring back some of the short tracks, and so uh, maybe, maybe the Milwaukee Mile in a couple that's of years. What I'm thinking when Bob Sargent and Track yep. Enterprises hits it out of the park with the Arca Midwest Tour, and of course we know the leadership there knows what they're doing um, to to make it a great race event. Um, maybe just maybe we'll see a truck race back at the mile someday. So. You know, I think I think what is going to end up happening is NASCAR is going to have to learn how to live with less, and that's the teams as well. Everybody, you know, technology is great, but technology costs money. Mm-hmm. Rules cost money. And I've been told by a race engineer off the record a few years ago that this new package that is in operation still this year 
sometimes when the car finishes a 500-mile race and then is transported back across the country, that's enough to put the, the body and the, the chassis out of tolerance enough that they can't race the, the vehicle again without major, major changes. That's not what this rules package was supposed to be. This rules package was supposed to be you could run the same car at the speedway and a short track, and you could have fewer cars. But now you wreck one, and it's easier to turn it into a show car than it is to try to fix it because it's a lot cheaper just to build a new one. It is. Uh, We're losing time here, uh, Dennis, so let's uh, take a look at uh, we have the Ticket Guardian 500, of course, tomorrow at Phoenix. It's 312 laps. It's a proper distant race, in my opinion. I love that. Um, And uh, we got Penske winning the last two races. Is it going to be Ryan Blaney, perhaps, or once again, Kevin Harvick? Who's your pick? Ryan Blaney was one of my uh, hot picks this week on uh, odds and ends for frontstretch.com. But my pick, I am not going out on the limb. I'm taking the chalk. I Give me Kevin Harvick. He'll find a okay. way to get it done this week. Excellent, Dennis. Uh, we certainly appreciate your time on the show and looking forward to chatting with you next uh, next week. You can count on it, Z-Man. All right. Thank you, sir. Dennis Michelson, D-Mike Media. And when we come back, we'll be talking from YouTube. David Land will talk about the opening of IndyCars at St. Pete and more coming up on the Final Inspection Show. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to go to greatlakesdragway.com to get your 2019 season passes. Looking forward to the weather warming up, and we'll have drag racing once again at Great Lakes Dragway. And thanks to David Hobbs Honda. Make sure to check out davidhobbs.com for all the latest and new Hondas. And also, if you're looking for a used Honda, make sure to check out davidhobbs.com. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from his YouTube channel, David Land. David, welcome to the show, sir. Oh, it's good to be here. It's IndyCar Week. I am very excited. It certainly is. Uh, and, and you know, especially uh, with with those of us that are a bit north, uh, seeing seeing the, the nice weather that they're having in St. Pete uh, certainly warms us up. And... Uh, how 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 good did it feel seeing that first practice and seeing cars on the track yesterday? Oh, it's 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 like uh, it's like uh, being reunited with an old friend. It's uh, it, the off season is too long. We need to figure out something to do in the winter uh, for 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 IndyCar open wheel racing because it, it's too long. <laughs> it is, it is, and uh, you know with um, with um, I, I saw your 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 latest video. And it was uh, interesting about the, the, the TV contract, not to get into a negative here. But, you know, there's been talk. It makes a lot of sense. I'll let you kind of set this. Maybe I'll set the stage and you kind of uh, go off of that. But uh, with the, with the you know, we uh, those of us in the U.S. love it. Everything is consolidated on NBC Sports. However, Canada and Australia might have a little bit of a complaint, wouldn't they? Yes. Uh, so IndyCar decided this year 
take all of their international TV negotiations in-house, meaning they negotiate all of the contracts. And some countries got the deals, uh, and some countries didn't, particularly uh, countries that unfortunately are looking at uh, having races or maybe not, uh, or maybe have races already, like uh, Canada. Australia and uh, Latin America apparently doesn't have a TV deal at all right now. There's there's no legal way to watch racing in place in IndyCar racing in places like uh, Mexico right now. Uh, Canada, there they put uh, all of the races on a, a premium, an ultra premium sports network, uh, and it's something like cost the Canadians like 200 bucks if they don't already have a certain sports package, and maybe another 20 if they do. And um, the Australians apparently aren't getting live coverage at all. They're getting a one-hour highlight program on their equivalent of ESPN2. So it's a bit of a disaster for some of these tracks where they're looking, or some of these countries where they're looking at maybe going back to Surfer's Paradise, and now suddenly you don't have uh, live TV coverage in that country anymore. Yeah, because it makes it it certainly does make sense if you want to stretch, you know, do stretch out the calendar a bit. It makes a lot more sense opening up uh, perhaps in Australia, maybe in late February perhaps, uh, or extending it, uh, extending it the other way, you know, uh, either either end of the schedule and have in Australia. And this is not a good way to uh, kind of expand your presence in Australia with the current setup, is it? No. I mean, the, the, this was kind of something that, that I anticipated and I think a lot of other people anticipated with the the move to NBC Sports, obviously they weren't going to, or not obviously, but but NBC is very uh, protective of their streaming rights. So you weren't going to have what we had in the last few seasons, which really, in my opinion, helped grow IndyCar exponentially, which was the the YouTube streaming, which went out free to everyone in the world. You don't have that option anymore, so. Um, it was always going to hurt the international audience, and I just hope that IndyCar realizes, at least now, it's a little late in the game, but I hope now that they've seen the pretty vocal anger on social media from their international fans, they will figure out some other avenues to get their product out to these people who have started to rely on being able to watch IndyCar racing. Um we were we, we've talked in the past here about some of the new new players that are coming into IndyCar racing, and uh, how we thought they were going to be quick, and they certainly uh, didn't disappoint. Uh, one of them being Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, he he looked really good yesterday. Um, first practice today, they were a little bit down, but but so was Dixon. Um, so it seems like uh, he's he's going to be right on pace. Uh, a lot of people think that he may be kind of in that vein of a Sonardi or a, a Montoya coming into that team. I mean, Chip doesn't hire rookies all that much, and uh, as the you know, some of them have failed out. Some of them have been the Nicholas Manassians. But you know, <laughs> when you have a, a, there you go. There's a good reference for you. Uh, but if you get a Montoya, uh, and it seems like Rosenquist could be could be that guy. Yeah, and Marcus Erickson, yeah, is 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 has been quick and. And, you know, the Formula F1 driver, he's like, well, you didn't do anything in F1. Well, in F1, you know, it, a lot of it's the team and the car you're in. He wasn't in the best equipment. Uh, talented kid, and uh, he could surprise a lot of people who maybe haven't followed uh, Formula 1, can't he? Well, it's it's the it's the Takuma Sato effect, isn't it? A guy mm-hmm. who looks mid-pack and 
really never got an opportunity at a top-of-the-line car, suddenly you dangle that carrot out in front of them and say, hey, look, this is a lot closer than F1. Uh, go get it. And uh, I fully expect that he's going to go out there and really uh, prove a lot of people wrong, I think. I tell you what, let's take a break, and then uh, we'll, we'll do a sports flash here. When we come back, we'll take a look at the rest of the IndyCar field and uh, check what's the latest on uh, on your YouTube feed uh, up on YouTube. David, thank you for hanging out with us, and we'll be back in just a moment on the Final Inspection Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 